Hello and welcome to your review for the 28th of March 2023. I am your host, as always, don't let anyone tell you otherwise, Graham Mackay. And I'm joined by the best bachelor in, I don't know, I've, I've run out of ideas, Christian. Christian Wolf's here. Hello, Hi, Christian. A bit, bit rusty. Maybe mm-hmm. overdone it on, on holiday. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's it's great to have a background. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased you survived, to be honest. Just I mean, I you probably don't have any money left. No. I've got 10 days in Norway, but it's it's good to see you, mate. I, I, I wanted to come in here swinging about, I'm mocking you about brown cheese, but it's actually really fucking good. I know. Thank you. Um, it is a delight, brown cheese. Um, it's cheesy and sweet, but somehow it works. Imagine if you you should have had um on a, on a waffle. We didn't have it on a waffle, but that's it's, no. You, you can have it on anything, really. Just it's because it is amazing. But yeah, I mean, obviously, um, we're here. It's just the two of us. No, mm-hmm. no producer. So obviously, I think we have the possibility to give the bad section. The, the link to the serves mm-hmm. uh, nobody's stopping us so because I mean 10 days in Norway I mean it's you know it gave everybody a little flavour with last week in terms mm-hmm. of your I enjoyed that I enjoyed that <laughs> um, but yeah how was it let's, let's have, this is the review essentially I mean you don't have any games to review but we have Graham trying you know to get around Norway I guess yeah, it was, uh, again, I would like to say that it's a, a shithole, but it's probably pound for pound the most beautiful country I've ever been to. Um, especially like that kind of, if you think of an upside down, upside down L shape of like going up from Oslo to Trondheim and then over, it, I would say as far down as Bergen, that kind of shape, that was just a beautiful drive. It's such it's amazing scenery and yeah. Uh, and, and nice people as well. Um, I, I was surprised at that after my kind of uh, Norwegian uh, experience so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, um, there was actually one part where uh, in Barris, like we had to like pull people over on the road because we'd get stuck in snow. Oh my! You didn't say this. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to get your live reaction. So this was just outside Sundosora. Um, where, sorry. Sun, Sundosora? 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 Are you trying to say Sundosora? That's, I mean, the, the intonation you guys have, it's just ah, weird. How did you manage to get snow? snow. You, you, had a, you had a proper vehicle with so, snow yeah. tires, didn't you? No, no, it was a Volkswagen uh, Polo that <laughs> we got as a hire car. Uh, and the, the, the woman in the um, Alamo was quite shocked when she, she asked if we were just planning to drive around about Oslo. And I said, no, we're going up as far as Trondheim. And she was but shocked by that. And I can see why afterwards. <laughs> uh, but the real story. So the, the story I told the guys that pulled in to help was that I got a phone call during the uh, driving and had to pull in. Uh, the real story was that uh, uh, Kristen saw a piece of night, a, a bit of nice scenery, which she wanted yeah. to get a photograph of. Uh, I pulled into a lay-by, um, kept most of the tiles out of the uh, the lay-by, not knowing how deep the snow was. The front right went in and was very deep, and then just wouldn't have any more traction, so uh, it was just spinning basically. So I, I stopped one guy. One guy stopped another car that was coming by, and then by the end of it, there was about four or five vehicles all trying nice. to. Yeah, it's out. Um, yeah, like, look, look at these, it is. Yeah, it was, it was, it was lovely. It was wholesome. 
uh, helping of the of the crazy foreigners up in basically the Arctic with a Volkswagen Polo um, with no no wire, uh, no uh, tracks on on the wheels or anything. No it chains. Sounds like a, it sounds like the, like the pivotal turning point in in your movie. Exactly. Yeah, that would be the midpoint. I would say. Yeah, moving into like three. At some. Yeah, I know it was. It was a. It's a beautiful place. And no, I do. I do. I have some quick fire questions that I want you to clarify about your okay. your homeland. But before I do, I just want to tell. So, we, as you know, the 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 trip was cut short by one night because of uh, striking in Germany. There's been they call it a mega strike that happened nice. um, today. Yeah. And uh, because of the mega strike, which was cut, shutting down basically airports and the Deutschbahn and everything, um, Munich Airport had to, had to close on Sunday and Monday, which meant that I could either fly back to Oslo Airport and uh, uh, drive back to Oslo Airport and fly back on Saturday, or be in Norway until Tuesday, which was uh, for the for the. I guess the bank account wouldn't have been a good thing. Um, so the last night I was, we, we'd gone out to Pepe's Pizza. Uh, oh, yes. Mr. Mino Pepe's, which is basically like a Pepe's, pizza. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the classic, uh, yeah. pizza chain in Norway. We'd, we'd seen them everywhere and they even have their stuff in supermarkets. So we thought last night we have to go into Pepe's because it's just been everywhere. Uh, and we, we thought, right, we'll go, we'll go there and then we'll go to the supermarket and have a drink and just go back to the hotel, really. Cause the next day I was going to have seven, seven and a half um, hours of driving to get from Christensen to Oslo. Uh, and no, to get from, where was it? From Bergen to Christensen. And we, we, we realized that the padlock, the, the, the fridges were padlocked in the supermarket at 8.03 in the mm-hmm. evening, um, because you can't buy drink after eight o'clock. Can't buy a beer after eight o'clock. Yeah. And of all the the useless information you gave me about Norway, this one <laughs> vital piece of information you, you held back. So, what is the deal with that? Yes, you just have to be there five to eight, mate, rather than five past. So, I mean, they, they do this in Scotland now. You you probably you've been away. Like it's ten o'clock in Scotland, so it's 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 eight o'clock in Norway. But this this used to be. It used to be at the weekends is even before. I think it's like six o'clock. So like growing up, like on a Saturday, there always be like they always show like the three PM game, like mm-hmm. usually from England. Um but it will be at like what was it, four o'clock in Norway. So but alcohol sale on, on the weekends is usually six o'clock. So you, I mean, sometimes you don't. Right. If you're watching it, you'd have 15 minutes to get to the shop. So, but yeah, yeah, it's weird. I, I, I think it is. It must have subconsciously slipped my mind, and maybe I subconsciously wanted you to experience uh, the, the padlock. Uh, yeah. So, so went back to the hotel and bought. We can buy one. Uh, yeah, it's, well, can, yeah, so you can get one in, in your hotel, surely. Thirteen euros, Christian. Yeah. Thirteen euros. That's not bad at all. So I mean, so the the trip was Oslo, Lillehammer, Tron time. Then here we go, um, Spindusora. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Uvesund and all Hurda. I don't know if that's F O with the line through R D E. Hurda. See, that sounds as if you're getting punched in the stomach. That doesn't sound like a nice place. <laughs> uh, Bergen. Uh, 
supposed to be Bergen, Stavanger, Christensen and back to Oslo, but we've had to miss out Stavanger because of the strikes. But again, up the strikers. So we support all striking, unless it's striking. I don't know. I'm not, I don't have a joke here. <laughs> striking a match or something. I don't know. But um, that, that, so that was the two. One, one gripe I had was it, I found it really, really hard to get Norwegian cuisine. And when I brought this up to a waiter, he was basically like, why would you want it? Yeah. And it sounded it sounded very similar to German, like meaty sausages, and I don't get why. Like any any part, even the smallest place, like that one that I'm not going to try and say again, uh, of two thousand people or whatever, you could get Chinese, you could get burgers, and you could get pizza, but you could not get Norwegian food. No, I mean, there's you're probably looking at things like uh, Christmas. Do you know they got specific Norwegian cuisine for for Christmas? You know, be it fish or pork or something like that but otherwise it's salmon I guess mm. and there's like some really disgusting stuff like when you have to eat out of a sheep's brain and stuff like that yeah, um, yeah no literally and and then there's a couple of really disgusting fish dishes as well but yeah no there's it's just such a metropolitan place you know we just the global um, of the world yeah no it's, yeah You've had the branches, right? Yeah. That's that, that. That is the peak. I, I I got one meal uh, back bacalao. Is that what you got? I got that. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, was that a lapskins? It's kind of like uh, salted cod and uh, like oh, yeah. tomato sauce, it, kind of like a almost like an Italian kind of sauce. But uh, it was nice. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. But I'll get on to my my quick fire questions. Oh, is it okay? <laughs> Right, Norway questions. I actually wrote these down in my notes app on my phone as I was going along, so I wouldn't forget. Why are your gravestones so small? I've never seen such small gravestones. How do you get the information on them? That's, oh yeah, that's a good point. They are maybe quite small. Very small. Like I would say, uh, For the listeners, I would say they're about a foot tall. Yeah, no, I think you're right, actually. I never really thought about it. Maybe, maybe ours aren't small. Maybe it's yours that are too big. So that's often said. About I mean, there, 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 there is a thing about you know, you shouldn't stick out too much in Norway. You know, mm. it's, it's all that. So yeah, maybe that. That's a good point. This one is from Kristen, and it was because we we constantly saw signs talking about elks. Basically, they're going to be elks and moose and stuff like that. And she wanted to know where the fuck are the elks because we saw loads of signs, but not a single elk. Um, maybe yeah, I don't know. They saw you coming. Uh, mm. but you, so they're best seen like at dusk I said or that. Uh, so, I, said so that. I tried to if, feel knowledgeable and said that yeah so. and especially you know it, no you see them we have a cabin in Sweden uh, especially if we go out or in, in Little Hammer as well and you, know, you usually see them maybe it's just maybe it's just too loud maybe it's what? Why can I buy twenty times six point five percent volume beers from a supermarket, but I can't buy one bottle of wine? Twenty? Did you? I, no, I could. No, yeah. No, really? You shouldn't be able to. Where's this? You should just grass that uh, shopping. But I mean, why? Why wine? Like French oh, children so, so, oh, drink I, wine. I, I thought you spent twenty percent there. No, no, 20 to, I could buy as many 6.5% bottles of oh, beer yeah. that I want, but I can't yeah. buy one single bottle of wine. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't know, Graham. I mean, the, the, the short answer is, is morality. Um, Norway's mm. always had, like, 
it's passed a very messed up uh, risk of triple alcohol, like very, very kind of strict. And as you see, you can't buy them late. And if it's anything stronger than, you know, as you say, a 6% pair, you have to go to a special uh, monopoly, literally called the wine monopoly. Mm-hmm. So where you can buy wine. Um, as I told you, like, I don't think there was self-service in those wine monopolies before 15, 20 years ago. It was mm-hmm. basically just like a till, you know, to go and ask for it. And, and it came over on paper basically. Yeah, essentially. Um, it's, yeah, it's Sweden is it's the same, but um, I don't know. It's it's just a quirk, I guess. I, like yeah, I went to one of those. Yeah, I went to one of those wine shops, and uh, they were selling Jim Beam for thirty five euros. So. Is that good? I don't know if that's good. Jim Beam's like a tenner. Okay, oh, that's that's good. So, but, but I mean, long story short, what this led to is always like a high, mm. like, like a culture of moonshine, mm. right? So, especially like outside cities, even in cities, there's like, you know, um, that's essentially the alcohol you would get. Um, there's always this <laughs> in certain places, like maybe like Trondheim, maybe not like this now, but not too long ago, if you go to bar a pub and you ask for coffee like they would give you half a cup because they assume you got you oh. have something with you a pure alcohol to, to, pour, to pour into the coffee so nice uh, yeah. I, do, I do appreciate that yeah. uh, you can tell this is an international week because we're having an extended <laughs> band section uh, and also why are the two red men on the when you're crossing traffic lights why is there two red men so this is a new thing. I've I never had that before either. No, huh. no. I think I don't know if they started to somebody made a mistake or something. But I have seen it in Oslo. But yeah. But what did actually Oslo? What did you think of the opera house? Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, people it's were were mental and like climbing it, and it was pure ice, and they were struggling to get back back down it. So. Yeah, you're supposed to climb it, but yeah. No, I wasn't doing that. I was I was uh, appreciating the screams of the people going into the iced water uh, nice. and then back into the sauna. Uh, the, literally, the, the sea was frozen over at Oslo, which was I'd never seen that before. Um, what? So my next question: shuffleboard. Why? Why, why is shuffleboard a thing in Norway? I don't know. I, I, again, like this is, uh, I've seen that around as well, especially hotels and stuff. Hi, it was another hotel in Ulysson. Ulysson. Must be quite a recent thing. I, I never played it. Uh, I was, there was, I'm an old school. I was just, you know, table tennis guy yeah. uh, at, at hotels. But obviously something has changed. Something so these the next three are quite pressing as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Supermarkets have walk-in fridges instead of like, Right, fridge sections. It's a whole room that you walk in that is like a fridge, but you're walking about inside it. So you're you're basically frozen where you're looking for your meat this, or whatever. This is new. This is something I haven't experienced. It's, no, it's an, actual, actual, an actual room. It's a room. It's a separate room. It seemed to be the smaller supermarkets in places like Trondheim that you would walk into a room and it was all the fridge stuff and you'd be walking about in the temperature of a fridge. Nice. It's not. It really wasn't. Uh, hotel rooms were opening out the way, so when you would door. leave, yeah, yeah, when you would leave your hotel room, you would have to push the door open. So if there was someone walking by, you would slam the door in their face. Like nice. that doesn't seem like a practical thing. It doesn't. Well, it says all of them. 
Yeah, every hotel we went to, the door would open out there. Never just that, that's that's a good that's a good catch. I'll, I'll write. I'll write to somebody in Norway about that. I'm, I'm hoping you, you're you're taking note of these and you can find out. Um, and why did this is my last one? Why did lots of houses have like heart shaped? Would you call it like Christmas lights on the side of their houses? In this, in the, the shape of massive hearts, so it would have like uh, fairy lights. This, this was very common in every single basically part of Norway we went to. Oh yeah, but it's common light decoration. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> why, why a heart? I mean, is it just to spread peace and love to yes. everyone who sees it? Or is this? There's been a sale on. I don't know. That's, uh, I, I can't say I've noticed that one. I expected better answers from these questions. Christian. I've, I've been, I've been away. Look, I've literally lived longer in Scotland than than Norway. But um, I'm, and you've you've literally seen more of Norway now than I have. But I love the ferries for the car. That was just the ferries are good. They talk about German efficiency, but Norwegian efficiency is the truest wow. efficiency. Like just nice. rolling, getting to the the ferry, rolling on. It, it basically launches as soon as you do, and then you're over on the next course in five minutes. You don't even pay for it up front. You you get it paid on your like toll thing, which uh, uh, that's another thing. Uh, Two hundred euros in toll fees uh, we had. Two hundred. That that nice to do if you drive around. I probably should have told that as well. Like every hundred meters, feel like you have to stop and pay some money. So, yeah. but that's what that's what get your ferries running on time. Yeah. So yeah, you like like in Germany, you've had a lot of complaints about people, but t- things ran on time. Well, I like exactly. to do in Norway, yeah. in Norway as well. So. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was um, it was a it was a really weird country to drive in coming from Germany because your speed your the highest speed limit is one hundred and ten, which is like the the starting point for speed here. Yeah. Um, and then you're kind of. So what would what tended to happen was that we would come off the ferry with this group of people, there's like this group of vehicles, and because there's so few opportunities to overtake, and because everyone's going at such a like seventy or eighty, basically, is the country road speed. You're with the same people for the next two hours. Nice. And it's like the one random truck, and then a few cars, and yeah, yeah. we called them the ferry crew uh, every time. So that was that was fun. But Sounds yeah. like a band. Yeah. Am I am I glad they had a great time? Yeah, I mean, I would say Olesund was uh, my favourite place. So it's just beautiful. And, it, it, it is really nice in Olesund, and uh, and you got just like uh, a tour of the different football stadiums as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bergen is the wettest place I've ever experienced. It's, it's, it's essentially Scotland, Bergen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So so that's that. That was that was my trip. But I'm glad to be back. It, it was uh, I listened to last week uh, with Claire and Annabelle. And I think, I mean, they did a they did a good enough job. I mean, uh, it wasn't quite my levels, but it, it was it was it was fine. Yeah, but you, you are the Matt O'Reilly. Really. Exactly. So, yeah. so. and the my no <laughs> uh, uh, international week. Have you been catching up in any of the games? Did you watch Spain's pumping of Norway? No, um, I, I watched Spain's squeak by Norway. Uh, actually, no, I actually played really well. I'd like to be, especially. Where was Harland? Was he injured? Uh, it's, it's, it's not good enough, mate. He's on the bench. Um, yeah, he's injured. Um, uh, Norway played with the audience. It's been, I said, especially second half, like, like properly played through them, played around them, and created a couple of really good chances. Surlot had a like huge chance of like, it's like twelve minutes left or something, um, and he volleyed it just outside from about eight nine. Yards, but like 
no, they like, they were pretty confident on the ball. They were like they're playing around. Um, Solbakken did this weird change, like twenty minutes from time. Like Norway was Spain scored quite early, and he made four substitutions, but he saw both fullbacks and both wingers. So, so uh, you know, from Bodeglund, um came on at left back and it's like essentially lost his man for the second goal and, and lost the ball for the third goal. Um, so it's a bit of a stupid substitution and he he played Sander Barga out wide. So, I mean, they played well, but you also go, uh, it's still some weird kind of choices from Solbakken in, in terms of subs and how he lines up and try to squeeze certain players in. Um why do you think he made those four subs? Was were the the wings getting overrun, or was it I, I they, working hard and it, tiring? The fullbacks, I guess, they maybe wanted a bit more. Or maybe I don't know pace up front. I mean, he played Moy on one side and uh, Sam Debarge, who's just like more defensive midfielder for Sheffield mm. United, out wide. So I can understand that he changed him, put Sol back in from Bodeglund now Rome on. And so it was weird. It was, I don't know. Um, it, it kind of played four central midfielders in, in, in a 4 3 Um So Erdogan was, Erdogan was like kind of almost trying a little bit too much. I mean, he's, he's great, but he's, you kind of feel when he's in Norway, he's, he wants to do everything. He drops deep and he's like a bit imprecise at times. But no, um, Patrick Berg played really well. You know, I know he's back in Bodeglund now, but he's, he was kind of playing that number six role from deep, and it, it, I thought it was really good. So it was encouraging performance. It's a shame they got to two late goals against because probably would have deserved the draw. Uh, what did you you make of the the Rodve going uh, studs up on Odegaard? Do you, do you think it was a bit of a club rivalry in that, or maybe try to take him out of the game for the the rest of the season? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I think it's talking. It is probably a penalty as well. I mean, yeah, I think you hardly ever get those. Mm. In, in in terms of you know because the girl gets to shut off and then he gets in but um, yeah I mean I don't, I don't know it's, I mean it's English football who cares man so it's just it's just oh, the it's... international football it's, it's about so but I didn't watch uh, I didn't watch Scotland unfortunately yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't see the game either. Happy they won, but didn't see the game. Ireland are currently losing uh, to France with only a few minutes to go. Mickey Johnson stayed on the bench, and uh, Sweden are beating Azerbaijan three now. And Carol Starfield has stayed on the bench, so our players get a wee bit of a rest. It doesn't really matter so much Mickey Johnson because he's not with us this season. But well, we'll be talking about him later. Huh? Well, let's actually let's let's start with Mickey Johnson because I want to mess your head up because I know you don't like it when I do this. Um, been quite a, a bit of talk in the last few podcasts. I think uh, Barry was speaking about him on uh, the reaction. I think it was, um, and uh, Alan was uh, talking about him on the um, agenda. And Kieran seems resigned to the fact that uh, it's kind of over for Michael Johnson at, at Celtic. We we have spoken before about the Champions League requirements and our discussion the last time we spoke about it was in the under the kind of belief that Michael Johnson could be coming back because he would be a free player basically for us uh, in, in the Champions League and they wouldn't uh, take up a place. What do you think are the chances of uh, Michael Johnson having any kind of impact under um, Ange? He's spoken about wanting to play games, wanting to play regularly, wanting to feel important. 
is he ever going to get that at Celtic? And just spoken about the players don't get that at big clubs. They don't get that security at big clubs. I mean, what do, what do you what do you make of it? You know, I, I I do struggle to see him being. I, I, we'll get back to this, but I think he can. There's definitely a place in the squad for him because of the you know, Champions League requirements, right? And go break it down a little bit later, but. It is pretty stark how little space there is for any more foreign players to come in at the moment. So, you know, he's in, he has played a little bit more in Portugal. Um, I've always been such a huge fan of him. And I think, you know, especially last season, he, I think when he's on the pitch, he, he, I think he do create stuff. I, I think he is... No, a bit like Jota, he's very good at holding on to the ball, bringing the ball forward as well. But do you kind of feel like he's? I personally wouldn't mind him in the Celtics for next season, but I don't know if he would want the same kind of minutes. I think he probably, having played so little or such a long time, essentially he needs to have a proper full season of football. Mm. I think. I mean, could is there, and I don't think he's he's intended to have that at Celtic at all. Now, if if he got to that Celtic, I still think there's potential for him in really good form to to have a real impact over season at Celtic. But I just at the moment it just seems a bit too far ahead for him, which is a shame because I think he's he's undoubtedly so talented that he's got strengths on the ball specifically that. Plus, like a lot of Celtic wings do not have. Mm. Like he, took, he was talking about the close control of a, of a football, like just technique, running with the balls and so on. Okay, you got Jota and Haxibanovic who's, who's got that, but the other Celtic wingers like Maeda and Abada, he's probably he's got better close control of the ball than them. Mm. They have obviously other attributes that, especially Maeda, fits the system more well, and then they're so direct, uh, especially Maeda, as it says. So, I, I, to be honest, I, I honestly think there's a spot in the squad for him, but whether he wants that spot, and so it is likely to be quite limited, uh, I, I doubt it. You know, I think, but the other kind of weird thing that comes in here, he's still, he's still got three years left on his contract, mm. <laughs> you know, and it is, you know, he's, he's club trained. He's, um, so there is a spot in that 20, 25 man squad for him. So, I mean, not to sound like Kevin King, but I'd love it. I'd love it if, if he came back and had a great preseason and he, and he got himself back into contention because he's absolutely got the, the talent and the potential of it. You know, um, I think the comparison is Abada in a way. Abada is like always younger um, and he has a real impact. See, Mikey Johnston's talent and potential, ah, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing, uh, you know, it's just as big as Abada's. He, you know, but he hasn't, especially when he was that age, he just, for lots of different reasons, haven't been able to kind of realise it, which is a shame. Yeah, we can, we can hope for an MJ Sons. That's what I'm going to call it, an MJ Sons. Like a Renaissance. Nice. Yeah, might want to work a bit on that, but yeah. yeah. Do, do you think he, because obviously Ange likes his, work, his wingers to work hard, do you think mm-hmm. he's got that kind of um, little side of the ball? 
about him to play in an Ange system. Again, I think he's. I don't look at him and see you know, someone like Dota, Axabana, Mishabada, those three. It's not like you look at any of those three and immediately go, Oof, that's, that's, that's a great off the ball presser and worker. They, I think they all do the job and within that system they have to do the job. So, yeah, I, I don't see him having potentially any, any less capability of doing that to them. And also because something has the ball so much as well. So, it's just like there is something there. Like there is genuinely something there. With Michael Johnston. It's the time is you know the time has been running out for a little while in terms of realizing it at, at Celtic. But uh, I don't know. See, it's great. Everything should be saying like, ah, uh, no, this is it. It just needs a loan. It just needs to go. But it's just, see, see the back of my mind. It's just that little thing going. You know what if? Because mm. oh, see, see if you have. To, See, if you had to start Michael Johnson in, like, say, 10 games or something. Oh, I mean, I wonder if he just, he could, he, he could literally just explode onto it mm-hmm. and be really good. Nice to kind of hold that hope for that. But, no, oh, I think you know, it's way down the picking order, as is. So. I think it's, um, and I've, I've been thinking about this, listening to the other pods uh, from Senate this week, and I, I basically had to uh, crash course them because I had not been able to listen to a pod for a, over a week mm-hmm. so I had uh, gal in my ears from most of yesterday which was nice. uh, nice. mildly irritating um, yeah. but I mean just looking and thinking about the squad and uh, we're, we're all talking about it as if we're not going to lose any players and th- that's when, when things start to change, that's when the kind of Layla land starts to change when bids come in I can't see us keeping the squad together for for three seasons because I mean that will be us going into the third season uh, trying to keep that squad together. I think we're going to lose players. Uh, I don't know who would be uh, looking to move on. I think there's probably players that are quite settled in, in Glasgow and wouldn't want to leave for some reason. I, I can't see Dyson Maeda wanting to 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 move. Uh, obviously, he's got a young family and he seems pretty settled. Uh, so I mean, I don't think we know what it's going to be. We can't really think about Mikey Johnson because we just don't know what his competition is going to be like. Is it going to be the same players that we have or have some of them moved on? Will we have signed anyone else? So, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's hard to say. But we wanted to kind of focus on those lone players uh, this week. And uh... Let me ask you a question. on the, In terms of everybody's expecting a big bid to come in. And it, obviously, I think there will be interest, but I think the weird thing about Celtic season is that <laughs> it's very much a season of the team. Mm. I think I don't think okay, you've got top scorer in Kyogo, obviously. Um but then again a team's gonna come in with a huge bid for like a twenty eight old striker that Celtic accept. I just think it's so much about the team. And I don't think you know, Rio Tati is having an amazing season. But other than that, is, is there like a standard player now that Juranovic is gone that is seems ripe to have a huge offer coming in for him? I think there might be offers, but I also don't see like, well, you're going to struggle to to keep that person like like that summer where you had, you know, because Dembele a bit before, but Edward, Ayer, you know, kind of charm and, and stuff like that. And they were all coming to two years left of the contract. They were all like 
a bit younger, there's clubs around them. I don't see a huge, obvious, like the in. in so I, I know this is a question, and not <laughs> and I still I'm still on it, but also Celtic will highly, highly likely play in the Champions League next season as well, and I think this team, a lot of them would want another shot of that with Ange and everything going. So who who do you think the will might be a big offer on as an offer that you know you can't refuse? I think there's all. You obviously there's the best time to sell someone, and um, I always think about Jeremy Frimpong and how that was. We never we never sold him at the best time for Celtic because he wasn't at the top of his form. Like if if we'd maybe uh, tried to move him on the season before that when he was electric, uh, when the team was electric as well, then it might have been we might have got a better deal out of it. Uh, so you obviously want to sell your players at the best time, and as you said. This isn't Jota's not playing his best football mm-hmm. uh, of Celtic uh, at Celtic at the moment. Uh, I mean, I don't. Abada's not. No, about O'Reilly. O'Reilly's I mean, I, not. You know, no. I, you know, I like O'Reilly, but there's not. That, that's what I mean. Like, because you, you go through the team and you go like, and you go, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's more about the team. I do, yeah. In a way, it's more about Ange. I think there's two players. I think there's two players that would be peak selling time for us, and that would be Hatate and CCB. Do you think Hatate would attract a really big offer? Because I don't. I, I think don't know. It's, I, I think it's good enough to play anywhere, but I don't think since. Since I was going to say he's only playing in Scotland and he's doing this, and I think he was he was decent in Champions League, but he's not really playing for Japan. He's you know he's, he's dominating in, in Scotland, obviously, but he's got a lot of years left on his contract. I don't know. Uh, I mean, clubs should if they're smart, but but you think a CCV? Who do you think will come in for a CCV? I could see a uh, newly promoted Championship in the Premier League. Like Sheffield United. Some, something like that. Yeah, I could see, I could see a team like that come in for him. It's, it's going to, it's going to, it would have to be someone who does not, someone who does not play it from the back. That's essentially, that's what it'd be. It would have to be a team that is, is maybe not that interested because CCB has been fantastic from a defensive point of view, and I mean, you can you can maybe say that he's um, getting better, more comfortable in the ball. But if you're spending money on a centre back and you play out from the back, you're going to have a list, you're going to have a laundry list of players ahead of someone like CCB. Anyways, CCB is obviously better than a lot of centre backs uh, in the Premier. <laughs> Scott McKenna, um, <laughs> like so it's, it's not like he couldn't play for one of those clubs, but I think. You know, Celtic buy him for six, seven million. You're looking at at least eight figures to buy him, at least mm. that Celtic would want. You probably Celtic would probably look at it and go, "Oh, well, you're going to have fifteen here at least." That's like, I don't know if a club plays pays twelve to fifteen million pounds for for CCV. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I think in terms of he's, he's a very specific type of centre back. That would, I think, as I said, he's, he's better than than other centre backs in, in the Premier League. Yeah, but he would come with a price tag that is quite hefty for, for, for the type of centre back he is. Do you think him being homegrown adds anything to? I tell you, yes, it would. But then also, a homegrown player is useful for clubs that are in Europe 
mm. and who, who wants to get into Europe. And do you see any other top seven, eight getting it going for him? I, I doubt that you can do. I mean, weirdly, it'd probably be like in, in the, the way they play now, and it's like someone like Brentford, mm. you know, because they, you know, they play trade back a lot of the time, they sit back. Uh, quite a bit as well, so you maybe not be required to do too much passing from the back there. But again, that's, that's probably the highest team on the league that we would go get him. So again, I do. But so I, that's why I kind of raised the question because I think there is you can absolutely get a, a big bid for CCB, for Jota, for Hatati, for O'Reilly, um, and so on. But I also go there's there's a lot of factors as I'm saying that. Maybe you won't get a huge bid because mm. it's it's more about the team. I mean, this what we probably should be worried about is the the big bid is for Manchester United more than anybody else. Yeah, let's 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 not go there. Okay. <laughs> um, the 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 problem is for Celtic. There will be players in that squad that Ange would probably want big bids for because he would want to use the money to. Invest into other areas of the book. I'm thinking of someone like Leo Bada, who I think uh, we would want big money for him, but not because we 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 rate him so incredibly highly, but, but because he's a saleable asset that we could use to buy more suitable players. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's two obvious, well, there's two obvious parts of that. I think as well, it's Abada, who <laughs> we're all kind of assuming. There might be like a decent bid for him because of the numbers he puts up, and if there is, and I think a decent bid for a badass doesn't even have to be ten million for me. To be perfectly honest, I think you buy him for four, four and a half. I think overall, again, if you can get close to ten, seven, eight, nine, I think that allows you to go out and spend that money really, really wisely for somebody who's not part of the first team. And the other one, as you say, um, Graham is one of the centre backs. Because mm-hmm. I do think that would make a lot of sense in terms of the value they're both at, at the moment, probably at their peak, I reckon, both of them. And you have a replacement in Kobayashi. But if you do sell one of them, not only should you get a decent amount of money, you also, you know, they're both foreign players in terms of, um, for, for Celtic they are, in, in terms of taking up one of those spots. So you can go out and you, you do have that freedom to to bring in anybody really. So yeah, I think Abada goes one of the centre back goes. That's kind of a natural, a, a natural, I guess, way of turning over the score that actually suits Celtic quite well. You, I mean, we, we speak about. I'm, I'm going to come from the point of view that I've, I'm not Abada's biggest fan, and I know that Samani talks about writing them off and then getting proven wrong. I, for me, scoring goals is not getting proven wrong, so I'm still going to stick to Abada. He's he's a he's a he's a fine footballer for a type of system that's not the system we play. He gets goals, he gets uh, assists, but he's just I don't think he's suitable for for the type of football we're trying to play. Other times, other do you do you think there are teams in the Premiership that would be basing? There's there's no team in the Premiership that would be looking at his numbers and what I mean by numbers would be goals and assists and then thinking about buying them based on that. Like surely football clubs are more intelligent nowadays that they'd be looking at 
much more of a three three dimensional image of him. He's he's a very odd player like that. Because at one side you go, okay, he's of course he's getting lots of goals because he's got good timing and around the box he pops up. You know, he's he's, he's you know he, he's got an actor to, to get to chances to to, to get the goals. And you kind of go, is, is that just because he's, he's playing for Celtic? But you can kind of put up similar numbers in Israel as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and, and that was not for one of the best teams. So there's obviously, he, he does have a knack of of arriving that. So that's a huge, very, very useful uh, thing to have. But as you say, I think in the Premier League, specifically where I, I think it's the only place you would get close to 10 million for. Like, I don't think there's any club outside of of England that comes in with that kind of money for him. I highly doubt that. Um, we need something a bit more. I know we talked about CCV and you need a skill set, but I think there's a spot for someone like him in the Premier League. Is there a spot for Abada? I, I really don't know if there is. And that sounds weird with him scoring so many goals as well, but he is maybe in a team weirder that is a bit more counter-attacks. And he, he has that space in front of him. He can be released on the, you know, the flanks. He, he can arrive in the box for, for counter-attacks and so on. Because on the ball, like, he's, he's not good. And I think you see him, especially in Europe, how poor he is he's on the ball. So he's, he's such a weird player, man. Um, it, it is a bit like Gigi in that sense, I guess, because... Getting numbers, get being effective, and but again, like I, I really don't see who's paying up to ten million for him. I, it I would need don't. to be a team that is much more of a counter-attacking team, a small yeah. team probably that that plays much more defensive football. You'd imagine. Um, I mean, because it, getting, do okay, he is young and he's got that for him. He's you know he's, he's but paying up to ten million for someone who plays in the Scottish league. If he isn't a regular and he's got some deficiencies in his game, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you get that. Yeah. Well, if you could keep the staff, one of staff out on or CCB, who would you keep? I don't really. But a lot of people always say CCB, and I'd, I'd be happy to play him with Kobayashi, and I'd be happy to play Starfield with Kobayashi. I think they're very similar. I know. I, I think Starfield a little bit better on the ball. He tries a bit more. He, he tries maybe. Well, I don't. I think he's poor on the ball as well. So I, I think they have a very, very similar skill set, both of them. So their strength is weaknesses. So for me, like, say, you probably get more money for CCB now, like mm-hmm. just purely on a financial thing. Because I think it's sporting wise, there's not a huge amount between them. Similar players, if you can get five, six more for CCV, and that allows you to go and invest that, yeah, I just probably do that because I think Starfield Kobayashi is, is a good partnership as well. Um, but weirdly now, I've, I'm thinking maybe Starfield is going, I don't know, but I don't get <laughs> so. But I think if one of them is going, that's a nice natural kind of turnover in, in the squad as well, if you invested, and I guess that's. You're looking down at the goalkeeper as well in terms of using that money to bring a goalkeeper in as well. But yeah, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Ram? Who, who would you stick with? I think 
just purely from a, from an eyes point of view, it, you, you just feel Starfield has got a mistake in him, uh, and I think it's it's over. There's been an overreaction to it because I think he had a few moments in the early games which basically coloured everyone's opinion of him. Uh, but he's definitely got a bit of a brain fart at times, uh, including that penalty that he's given away a couple of times so far for us, where the guy just kind of darts in front of him and he he, he, he takes him down. So I no, that, that, I, I I think I probably agree in that, and I, I think his you know it's, there was a backlash against him that wasn't justified at all. I think, and I think he's he's close to CCV. CCV is probably a lot more safe player on the ball and, and everything like that as well, but. It, no, I agree. It's, 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 I know it's, it's probably like an, an intangible thing. You, you can't really define it that much, but yeah, Kubayashi uh, and CCV, I think, would be a really interesting partnership. A very handsome partnership as well. Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we wanted to talk about the, the loan players. Um, we've got nine out on loan, as you have you've uh, supplied supplied a beautiful little I, table. I've, I've put the criteria as nine players that have played for the first team before that's out on loan. Because you got guys like well, Jojo Kenny and, and stuff like that out on loan, but these are kind of like they played for the first team, they've been in first team squad. Nine some of, of them. So, some of these haven't played for the first team is fucking grim, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've added Eurogidi and, and the show in there, but they have everything we played for the first. So, Celtic, as far as I'm concerned, on and basically most of the time that we've been loaning out players, we loan players to get them out of the, the, the first team. Um, we loan players to get them out of the way, basically. Yeah. Uh, you want to be loaning players to, to develop them. Uh, we are from this list, uh, and I'll, uh, I'll just run down it just now. It's Barkas, uh, Yeti, Johnson, Idaguchi, um, Idaguchi, uh, Irigide, Scales, Montgomery, Sorrow, and Shaw. From those nine players, are there any players that you think that we've loaned out to develop rather than just getting the hell away from Lennox now? Just Adam Montgomery. You think? I, I think? I think these loans are. I'm trying to find like this is kind of like uh, one of these monuments that is you know made for the Olympics or something that they just stand there. Uh, they're, they're, they're a testament to really really bad recruitment. Mm. Essentially, you know, bad it, it, bad recruitment in different ways. I think some of them is just you probably picked the wrong player for the wrong for the system at the time. Like Barkas and, and Ayeti, you you. You followed a thread of just taking punts on young players from England that were free in your Gideon show, but they're not very good at all. Um, you got Liam Scales, who's, <clears throat> um, yeah, somebody bought to the club. And then and I think Sorrow is probably, uh, you know, from an era where you kind of got, ah, his his a punt from the Israeli league kind of thing in, in that kind of bracket. And Eddie Gucci, I think, I think it's fair enough. That's just, I think it seemed like a sensible buy. It's just, I think, injuries and sometimes it just happens in, in, in terms of that. So, but they, they do stand as a testament to, you know, a, a time where the recruitment process was not great. Montgomery, I think we'll get back to him. I think that's that's a loan, that's, that's a decent loan to, to make. But then MJ again, a lot to do with injuries. He needs to play, but it's also then a testament to somebody who's for some reason had a huge potential should have really been that next Celtic 
superstar from from the academy. It just hasn't happened yet. And you know, to give him a loan now, okay, ideally you maybe would have wanted a bit earlier, but it is what it is. So, but yeah, as you say, I mean, there's a lot of money tied up in in these players as well, and, and how it went wrong now. So yeah, Celtic are kind of stuck. As you said, there's, there's nine of them there. All of them has at least one year left of the contract. Like Barkas and Ayeti has, and Sora all have 2024. Um, Yurigiri, Shaw, uh, Scales have 2025. Scales is going to be 25 at the start of the next season. Who's sorry? 20. Scales is going to be 25 at the start of the next season. Yeah. Um, but he's supposed to be a hot prospect. <laughs> Is he, I know. I think Greg Taylor might be slightly older than him, but it's not by much. Uh, so, no, I mean buying Liam Scales from the Irish League at that point is just. I mean, come on, man. There's a lot of stuff we probably can't say about that, but it's 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 pretty mad. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's it is what it is now, and I think if you could move oh, all, almost all of them on in the summer, you would. Uh, you probably wouldn't be able to, even if you kind of gave them away. To be honest with you, which sounds bad, because <laughs> in terms of uh, if you want to recoup any of them, I don't think you're going to get much. But um, yeah, you've, you've been watching Barkas <laughs> you, for you, my sins. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the, just to peek behind the curtain, the, the pod started late tonight because uh, I, I fell asleep I've watching Asilo Barkas and Albion too. Um, Liam Scales is nine months younger than uh, Greg Taylor. There you go. Um, a pregnancy away. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, so that's the weird thing. You kind of go and look at these players and you look at how much they played and so on. And you kind of feel like, oh, yeah, you put some stats together. We can have a wee look at them. You kind of go, but they're not going to come back anyway, are they? <laughs> As, but, so, Barkas, I, I had a look at him, right? And he's he's played like thirty games this season, you know. He's so he's the number one goal. Is it Utrecht? Is it yeah, yeah, Utrecht? Uh, and so, so you go in and watch him, and you can do really quick. Like you watch all his saves and like his goal against, and like he's he's making a couple of good saves. He, I mean, he saved the penalty, Graham as well. But then you kind of go, you go sit down, you look at some of the other shots, and you go, yeah, let's not bring it back. <laughs> let's let's not bring it back because it's it's the same weaknesses he's always had. Like it's the same stuff we kind of pointed out when we scouted him before he came to Celtic. Like especially these kind of shots from range where he gives like some atrocious, atrocious rebounds, like really bad. And, right into and, the middle of the park, kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> honestly, and and then like he's, he's got some big saves. He's got like some big moments for, for that club. So he's got the penalty save, and he's obviously. And it is nothing terrible, but you also go, like, he can do better than Barkas. You know, it, it, even in the season he's having, I don't think that's, I just don't think he's, he was ever the quite required material at Celtic. I just think he, he wasn't. I'd love it if he was like completely turned around or you tricked, but I think he's pretty much his level. And I don't think there's any point trying and give him another chance because he's not bad. He's not bad, but he's not. It's not. Uh, you need to go and find somebody who's, who's better than Barkas, even a Barkas. In, uh, See, I mean, I mean, even when you think about him being in the shop window of the Dutch league, 
for us to recoup the money we spent, you're you're talking about it only being available to someone like Ajax, Feyenoord, PSV, and maybe AZ Alkmaar. It's no chance he's getting a deal like that or a move like that, surely. No, I I think you kind of just see even just you don't have to pay his wages for the next year, like another loan. So I think you do that. I mean, I mean, he he's he's born in the Netherlands. I mean, obviously he's he's obviously represented. Um, Greece, um, but like that's, you know, I'm pretty sure he was actually born there, or he's, he's spent a lot of his his time there, uh, yeah. essentially. So, I think he was actually born in Greece, but he spent a lot of time in in the Netherlands before as well. So, yeah, I think that's a good league for him, and I think it's, it's, it makes sense. But see if you can get a million for him, great. But I think you just let him go. It's yeah, it's better to have yeah. broadcast and I don't know, but no, <laughs> and I think I think with Albania you, you can uh, apply that to him. I think you just have to take the hit now. They're, they're never like. They're, what did you make of watching Albi? Because I mean, I think there's I, I read an article in the record uh, a few weeks back, and they were talking about how he's had to change his game uh, at Stumgrats, and he's much more of a. It seemed to be the way they were describing him. He seemed to be changed into like an industrial pressing forward or like a, a second striker or something, as opposed to like a, a, a in the box finisher. Um, I haven't had the chance to look him at that much to, to say how much he's self depressing now, but it's kind of what you expected to have a quick look at him. You know, he's 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 got those certain qualities. He's got that kind of. He, you know, I guess he likes to be in the in the penalty box as well, and he, he always always had quality, I thought, like on the ball in, in certain situations. Um, I mean, like said, he, he was pressing so hard in that one game he got under, and actually got injured for the rest of the season. And it, it would have been really interesting to see him, to see him in like that. That was him ahead of Gigi at the time because I mean, Gigi was injured as well, and he was mm. like that twenty five minutes. He was like. He's running around and pressing. You're like, hey, and it looks like that was too much for him. Um, but no, uh, again, it's it's kind of the time has passed. But for Yeti, I don't think there's any point bringing him back, especially to do with uh, there's there's not a spot for him as a foreign player in, in the squad in the Champions League. So again, it's somebody if you can get something from him in the summer, yeah, go and do it. Um, if you can't, just 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 set him free. Just set him free to be wherever he wants to be. And, in the Austrian league, I guess. I mean, from that list of nine, you're talking about a value probably over ten million. Uh, I mean, it's it's close to ten million with Barkas and Yeti alone. Yeah, uh, you could just about scales to well. Yeah, probably close to fifteen. Yeah, like, it was sort of. I think it was a million yeah. or something. Yeah, maybe a couple, a bit more. Yeah, so. Is that it? So, I mean, Montgomery, I, 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 aside from Mikey Johnson, Montgomery is the only one that we have any kind of. Well, for you, you're, you seem to be quite high on him. And you think he could come in and be like a good understudy to to Greg Taylor. Yeah. Uh, do, first of all, do do you think Montgomery has a path forward in into being a Celtic squad player? And do you think a loan to a team like St. Johnson is a sensible thing for Celtic to be doing? Is, is it sensible to be loaning your players to teams that are not ever going to be playing in a similar style to the way that we try and play? Or does that not matter when it's especially yeah. when it's a defender? No, I probably want them somewhere else. Like I've always been out that 
opinion that it's better to that at least the team you go to has some of the characteristics, or at least if you know, Celtic will always be one of the best teams in the league. So it's better for, to go and play for one of the best teams in the league for that. But again, I mean, he's he's still twenty; he'll be twenty-one by the time of the next season, properly start. But he's got quite a decent amount of minutes for Celtic last season. He's pretty much been playing regularly for, you know, he's got 24 starts for St. Johnston. He's almost 2,000 minutes. Any defender who's is doing that at 20 years old in 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 the Premiership is, you know, that's, that's good. Right? To, to get that amount of, of playing time uh, at the club is, is good. Obviously, you, you do develop a different side of your game and maybe that's if you give Celtic like it's a benefit of the doubt, if you go to St Johnston, I think someone like Montgomery was probably in need of, you know, working on that one to one defending, and being constantly have to be switched on in terms of working, um, in a defense that's just more under pressure. So in that sense, yeah, it's a good part of that. I always quite liked him. That's Celtic. You know, he's especially at left back. I know I think the times he was a winger, it didn't really work, but I, I think there was always something there at left back. He, he does have a quite a nice calmness on the ball in, in those kind of pressurized situations. And as I say, again, he's he's only 20 years old, but I think all of this kind of what we talked about so far, like the context, Graham, is obviously like those nine players that are out on loan. Seven of them is, you would call them, in a short time, you'd call it like foreign players. So they're not, when I say foreign, they're a player who does not qualify as a club-trained um, player or association-trained player. So essentially, they, they, they're not Scottish. They haven't been developed in Scotland. They haven't, or they haven't been a Celtic from a young age anyway. So everything that we talked about is, is a context of that because you probably wouldn't have the discussion we're having maybe on Montgomery or MJ and a lot of the other spots in, in the squad if it hadn't been for this. But but the fact is that Champions League squad, I don't think that's going to change for next season. For this season, what you essentially have is if you're over I when the Champions League starts, like I think it's this year, if you're Born later than 2000. So next season, be being born later than 2001. And essentially, and obviously, if, if you're if you're born like later than like uh, 2001 um, or before 2001, you would have to be at the club for two years to qualify. But anyway, essentially, to, to, to make it simple, there's 17 spots in that Champions League squad. For players over twenty one, twenty two that that are not club or association trains, seventeen spots. And I think when it comes back to recruitment process, when it comes back to building a squad, when it comes around the decisions around the recruitment in the summer, that has to be your basis. You know, you have seventeen spots for these players, and you've got eight spots. For club and association, and, and every every single I think transfer discussion 
we need to have has to have at this as its base 17 spots for foreign players, eight for club and associates and training. So that's where things stuff like like around Montgomery and a lot of the other fringe players comes in because that's the reality, Graham. Like and that for us, we're like we're director of football, there's right. And I, w- I would love to, if you had the director of football, to have such a clear guideline to work uh, after. So, so, so this is your criteria. You have 17 special foreign players. You've got eight for you know, homegrown players, at least. And everything you do in terms of recruitment, youth development, the emphasis you put on bringing players up from the B team, who you buy, who you give contracts to, who, uh, you know, you look at these, you know, as I said, nine loan players, seven of them doesn't qualify as a homegrown player. So that's seven. Those 17 spots are alike gold dust right now. So I, I think that's where we have to have this discussion around. Yeah. And I mean, if we make signings, you're basically going to have to replace the foreign players. Uh, or if you don't replace them, you're going to have to have some tough discussions about players missing out in the Champions League squad because it's just there's no no way around it. So, I mean, if you want to run through it at the moment, if Celtic doesn't sell any players, right, any other foreign players, what you have at the moment, you got 16 players. And the only reason why you only got 16 is because for one year only, about next season, about that is on the B list because the B list is. Will highly likely be players born first of January two thousand one or later that have been at the club for at least two years. So that mm. Abada qualifies for that next season, but the season after that, he, he doesn't qualify anymore. So essentially, next season you have sixteen players, and they are two goalkeepers, Hart and Seagrist, five defenders, CCB, Starfield, Johnston, Burnaby, Kobayashi, four midfielders, O'Reilly, Hatate, Moy, Iwata. Three wingers, Jota, Maeda, Haksibanovic, and two and the two strikers, Kyogo no. So that's sixteen. So and also so think about it like that. If you keep every single one of those, you can buy one more foreign player. Mm. And you can play and that's not even talking about bringing any other players with the loan players in. Like there's not a path there at all for them. Because there's only one spot free. So you know, there's talk about who, who who's Celtic going to bring in this summer because obviously they want to improve. Do you realistically see them buying a single player that is either that is essentially trained to Scotland? Because I don't. Like, who who would that be? It's, yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's can I try to have a bit of this conversation with Alan and the agenda a few a few weeks ago, but we. There's just as a death of talent out there because the Scottish players are getting lost to foreign leagues at a much younger age than they used to, and it's. And I think obviously the, the English clubs are facing the pressure because of the the, the Brexit uh, change to to work permits and stuff like that. Should should the league, as should there be some sort of attempt from the league to stop players being able to leave before a certain age? Because obviously in Brazil and Argentina, I think it is. Yeah, you, you, you can't move abroad until you're 18 is that something that's realistic or do you think that's just not going to be wanted by enough people I don't know if you're able to do it uh, you know I don't think maybe do it in Brazil and I think it, it has to be 
but here I think it would have to be a UEFA thing to be honest with you it's this is the thing I think the Brexit thing is has good and bad sides for, for Scottish football the bad side is definitely this this hoovering up of talent really early on the good thing is that there's an era there where Scottish work permit the granting of that is, is a lot more lackadaisical <laughs> and you know players there's a route into playing in England via Scotland in terms of you can get a work permit in Scotland you can build up your points in Scotland for a couple of seasons and, and then go to England and you might have got uh, enough points to be granted a, a work visa in, in England so uh, but from a Celtic point of view as I said it's 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 really stark for me because at the moment you have one free spot on the Champions League. And I, I honestly I don't think there's any point having 18 foreign players that um in that squad because you literally can't bring one of them to the Champions League. And and that's you know your main event uh, of the season, really. Um so, so that's where it is for me. So that's when you get into these really kind of interesting conversations about who do you sell because if it, it, it's kind of a, it might actually have to turn out to one in one out system in terms of the foreign players and and there will be a point now where those four, those 16 foreign players plus about a you know there might be offers for them as we say and so on but where this squad needs strengthen I think it's, it's probably in the areas where you have Scottish players mm. really you know, so, so you're talking about ET footing. You took well, it's from, from the back, really, like Stephen Welsh, your four choices centre back. Like if CCV and Starfield stays, like you can't really go and buy can you really as this question, can you buy a you know a fourth centre back that it's not homegrown? Because okay, maybe you do that and that's that's your quota, that's your seventeen, but you then more likely do you keep Welsh or do you bring someone like Lowell or Dave Murray when you get fit? Is he your fourth choice? Tony Ralston. So you're at the moment you back up right back. I think a lot of people will go, yeah, Johnston is you know is you know, a lot of people are happy with him. You know he's, he's you know he's, he's he's been integrated quickly. You know he's, he's learning the role great, but you want better competition for him as well. And I think for me, when Tony Ralston came in, you know recently. I know he'd been out a long time, but oh, Christ Almighty! I mean, I almost felt sorry for him. And um, so, so for me, that that's an area of the squad where you go, look, you just you need some proper competition for Alistair Johnston. But again, who's are you spending a foreign spot for that? Mm. I don't think you are. Like, it's you know, the, okay, can you come in and bring in someone who's? So then you have to maybe get rid of a foreign player somewhere else. Then you go left back, right? Um, not even before we get to the left, I guess that, as you say, David Turnbull, again, somebody who feel like MJ, oh, he needs to go out, he needs to go out on loan, maybe you sell him, you need to bring a number, another number eight in, and then you go, okay, is that where you're using your 17th foreign spot? Because um, you know, who in Scotland do you, do you bring in that can be is better than David Turnbull? Andy Halliday. For example. <laughs> and, and then even like, James Forrester's spot on uh, in the squad, like people go, oh, you should, you should maybe upgrade on Forrest, and then you go, I right, but with whom are you? Are you because for example, if, if a bad goes, you go, you know, there's your spot 
Um, you, but technically, next season it's not your spot. See, because if Bada goes, he, he's not. He doesn't count to the roster seventeen. <laughs> so if Bada goes and you bring in somebody else, that's all your spots gone. That's your seventeen spot. So it's like we have that, a kind of, yeah. we have a we have a number pro, a numbers problem in a few different ways. And yeah. the, the first one that jumps out to me is the fact that when MJ comes back, we have six wingers at the club. Um, four of them being foreign. Uh, bringing in, obviously we've spoken about secrets before, it, it just doesn't I mean, seem sensible in any way. Yeah, if you want to start from the goalkeepers, that secret by last season. Yeah. I mean, for so many reasons, it, other than this, but to have him like, cover one of the seven teams that Champions League spots for it is mad. And so even using, like, your fo- using a forum. A foreign place on a second choice left back from Argentina doesn't it, seem sensible either. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, if, if Bernabeu works out, I think that's you know, yeah. But and obviously, I, I don't know if you know this game, but seventeen is more than eleven. So mm-hmm. obviously, some of them have to be backups. But it's saying like you, you definitely you can't bring in plays like Seagrist, who's essentially a backup goalkeeper. You can't bring in players like Liam Scales, who's never going to be close to it. Like bringing players like Hiragidi and Shaw at the age there was like 21, not 18, 19, but 21. And then like if you go further back, Soro and stuff like that. I think if you bring in those type of players, those 17 spots are, as I said, like gold dust. So you have to bring in players that are there or thereabouts, I think. Or, or they're a huge talent like Kobayashi. Bernabé and Kobayashi, yes. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but I think that makes sense, you know. But it, it just it restricts you. I, I don't mind going out and buying 17, you know, really good foreign players, really highly rated them, that pushing for the first team right away. But players like Seagrass, no. So Seagrass position in the squad next season, again, okay, if he's there, fine. But Scott Payne has to be a Champions League goalkeeper, uh, backup, right? Because um, yeah. so, that will free up one more spot. And if you buy a, a, another foreign player, probably end up the consequence of that is Benjamin Seacrest. Sorry, Benji. You're not going to be in the Champions League squad. So, And it's, then, yeah, yeah, so you go through the team like that and you go, okay, th- this decision's everywhere. Do you think that... So, so obviously Bernabe came in um, and uh, we're going to be speaking about Bernabe in more detail next week. Well, you're not here, eh, Christian. Uh, let's, say that to, let's, say, let's say that later. That'd be yeah, nice. yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll be speaking more about him in next week. But do you think do you think if you went back to when that deal was getting made, you would keep what we have now with, with regards to left-back? Or would you rather that we just kept Montgomery in the squad, not sign Bernabe, and just kind of try to give Montgomery some minutes as and, Taylor's backup? So there are a couple of aspects to that because I think going out and buying a highly rated Argentinian left back is maybe not quite ready for the first time. It's, I don't mind that at all. I think that's a good profile. It, you have to like have a good, you know, you have to make sure it's, it's the right fit. I, I I'm still Jerry still out for me on, on Burma. I think he, he can become that, um, but that's not the discussion. The other big discussion in the summer left back was Hammerby's left back that we scouted as a like GSE. And he was somebody who can, he was more like in the Alistair Johnston kind of mode that he would come in and be first in ready straight away. Um, 
but the question where we are now is like Burnaby and then the question then is Montgomery is it this is the Montgomery question right because if those 17 spots are so scarce and you maybe want to bring in one or two more foreign players as well okay you got a secret bye bye Benji but then if you do have the choice of say Burnaby is not trusted at Ibrox is is he going to be more trusted in the Champions League when that starts and are you better off giving his spot in the Champions League to Adam Montgomery? Like obviously he's so he will, you know, he will qualify as a, as a homegrown player. And okay, um, because it's, it's a difficult question if you go in and and I don't think Sully is going out to spend big money on on a left back in the summer because they, they got Greg Taylor. Um, so then the question is, do you then have to kind of? to burn by you know it could be development there but Adam Montgomery is he needs to be the left and just as Anthony Ralston is, is the back of right back and then Montgomery is the back of left back in the Champions League because we don't have any more spots and again who are you buying in Scotland uh, just Joy, I guess but you're not buying him now um, to play right back so I think that's that is the Montgomery question for me in terms of do you put him in the Champions League squad ahead of Burnaby? Backup left back seems very kind of tricky to me because of the fact that I mean this may be tempting fate, but Greg Taylor seems like a lifer at Celtic. Yeah. Like I, I just it doesn't seem to be the kind of player that I, w- I would see moving on. So you're always going to have you're you're always going to be trying to progress someone like Bernabe, but also you've got a very good first choice ahead of you that you're probably not going to uh, unseat. So it's just it's 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 a, it's a problem it's a problem position in a different way like it's a weird it's a weird problem position uh, for Celtic, and I just think that and this is something I've touched on before and uh, on that agenda that I mentioned, it's the idea of when you're signing players, and we we now have a situation where we need to make sure that we either gamble on the sixteen year old from Dundee United or the sixteen year old from St Man before they go down south because as soon as they go down south they're out of our ability to buy them unless they flop. Or we go for foreign players like we did with Chris Iyer. Like you can do with signing players that are eighteen, get them the time at the club, they become homegrown. What yes, do you what do you I think don't... is more likely? Or do you do you think either of those options are more likely for Celtic to start doing moving forward? Or do you think it's more likely that Celtic will just be going into the Champions League with smaller squads than other than other teams? I think the Chris route is I think they need to be four years like before the twenty one at the club. It used to be free, unless it's changed, it was free just from football manager knowledge. <laughs> but So yeah, I mean so so yeah, it's Essentially, but either way, Graham, you need to then bring in like foreign players really young. But that is also now that is becoming difficult because it's one thing to get a work permit from someone who's 21, 22, and he's, he's got a cap and stuff like that. But do you get a work permit for Christopher Ayer now? I don't know if you do anymore. So it's, it's that's the so, but. To to your point, though, like in the same way that there's only 17 spots in the Champions League, there are eight for club, four for club uh, trained players, and another four that you can have Scottish trained players. And unless you want a smaller squad, you need eight players. And as we okay, Cal McGregor, Greg Taylor, 
And after that, it's, I mean, it's starts getting a bit difficult, doesn't it? Because then you, you, you're you you're on the backup squad. You've got Bain, you've got Ralston, uh, you've got David Turnbull, you've got Stephen Welsh, um, James Forrest. And these are the players in another... If this criteria wasn't there, you go, that's the kind of place you would move on now. But the, the simple, simple fact is you have to replace them with a club or uh, a Scottish-based player. So right now is an issue, I, I would say, because there's players that you maybe want to move on that you know you have to replace Scottish players. But in the future as well, this is what we come back to with our you know director of football heads on. This is why the, the youth system have to work mm-hmm. and that you have to have a system where they get minutes, there is a pathway. You know, the pathway, the magical pathway. So it, it, it simply just can't be, Celtic is very much run right here right now in terms of winning the league this season and doing it. And, and nobody's going to tell me you, you can't combine that with bringing youth through. But it's a clear, clear choice you have to make. And again and again, I say you cannot leave that up to the current manager. You, you just can't because the current manager quite rightly will go, you know, they would work within the parameters they're given. So you have to start bringing, you have to start bringing talent through, but you have to have to give them minutes. So that is minutes to Boston Lowell, it's been minutes to Rockavata, it's minutes to Ben Summers, because you could, there's eight spots there and you have to fill them. And, and, and again, it comes back to who you're buying from Scotland then if you're not bringing them through. Because you need eight. You, you, you need eight, Graham. You don't, the, the thing about it is you don't have to fill them. And <laughs> you can just have a 17-man squad, yes. You can just have a 17-man squad. And it'll, it, it comes down to a situation where you're thinking, well, a Celtic more likely to to go down this route where we're talking about giving pathways to youngsters. Uh, we're talking about signing, make gambling on the best 16-year-olds in the country, trying to get them in, paying money for them, paying 250, 500,000, whatever it is, and but gambling give, on this. You, you can spend money on them, but you have to give them time to play and develop. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that I think it's more likely that Celtic would just be con- concerned with having the best 17 foreigners they can afford, or 17, and because they know it's only probably going to be eight games a season that they need to worry way, about. In one way, it, that makes sense because that lets you buy 17 really good players. Or that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, buying squad fill. And I think Celtic overall, I think, you know, okay, get rid of all the lone players. But the 17 foreign players you have there, you do look at them, okay, Segrist, okay, you can put him to the side. But other than that, they're either like first team regulars. Uh, completely, like pretty much everybody else. You, you got okay, you got guys Haxabanovich like and sometimes not playing, but he's like when he comes on, he's he's, he's pure quality. And the other three kind of you got Kobayashi and O, who's just like maybe the two most exciting young youngsters coming through. And then Bernabe is he should like ideally be in that situation as well. But all fifteen, and then if you count about as well, sixteen out of those seventeen are either hugely talented who can step up or the first they really bring a call to the first team it's just a really secret test Sur- surplus there really in, in time so i'm all for that like I, I think that's that's great if if you know if if we were the celtic director of football or just football manager that's 
that's great. You've got a set for career. Like you got this 17th spot. You can for your recruitment, you know, everything around your recruitment is, is about these 17 players. Optimal, you know, fits the style, you know, a mix of age, you know, more some more experience, some are coming through. You you buy the talents at the right point, like oh, we bring in Kobayashi, you bring in Bernabe who's who works and stuff like that. Great. Focus on those 17. That 17 will get you a long, long way. I still think you need the other side of the other, Graham. I think 17 is still, you can't just have, I know I'm picking on him, but you can't have eight Anthony Ralstons. You can't have eight Scott Baines. You need you need some sort of pathway for the players in the academy and to buy Scottish talent. Because as, as, the complication of this, as you say, if you see Scottish talent, they're going really early out of the academy, or like they're going to Italy, and then after a season, they're out of Celtic's reach. Or they go, you know, Doig, Hickey. I'm not saying you're going to buy Ferguson, but Ferguson's another example. And you kind of go, they're getting these early, unless they're going to English academies, they're going to really good leagues abroad, playing, and then they're too expensive. Yeah. So I think I, I'm all for the pouring resources and attention onto those 17 and making them as as targets and recruitment as possible, but you're still going to need something the, the pathway for the other eight because yeah. Cal McGregor, you know, it's there. Greg Taylor might be there, but you still need six more. I think I would much rather the, the problem I have with the squad is I would much rather have 17 really good and then the other places would be made up of play, players like Ben Summers and your Boston Lawyers, ones that, have, well, that haven't been tested yet, just to give them a close-up. The problem for me is all these other ones that are out on loan that should just be nowhere near the squad. Yeah, and, and that's that's the, that's the else, the sins of the past. Mm-hmm. But here's one for you. You always tried to get me cancelled over this, but Aaron Moy is, you know, no matter what you think about this season, you know, you and me, it's probably got different opinions than other ones. That's fine. Aaron Moy is one of the 17 players next season. Is he worth it? I, you, can, you can say, okay, put Moy instead of Secrets, for example, and you got to put But do you move Aaron Moy out to bring in a new number eight? Purely on the fact, not that it, compared to him and Turnbull, for example. Don't compare the player, but, but if that allows you to bring in a new number eight, is that a sacrifice you would make? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I shouldn't uh, be asking you. It's just an echo chamber in here, isn't it? But, no. that, but, that, but that's, that's kind of... We're talking about giving Aaron Moy a one-year extension. Okay. But if he's not a first-team regular next season, is that worth it? If you if you intend to bring in a new run over eight, a highly likely a foreign one. Okay, And then if, if O'Reilly goes, fine. If, God forbid, Hatati goes... You know, it's like, okay, f- fair enough. But if it doesn't, you know, that's why we're talking about those those 17 spots needs to be like very, very due diligence done when you bring some of them in because that, they're going to be gold dust. And they have gold dust partly because there's 17, but they're gold dust also partly because what we just talked about, because there's not... The academy players coming up, there's not the Scottish talent to to bring in for for many reasons. So that puts even more emphasis on those 17. So and this was just just putting it out there. I think that the Moy thing is is complicated by the fact that depending on who you speak to, 
if you speak to other people, he is the third best midfielder at Celtic. If you speak to us, we would probably say, not knowing too much about Iwata, that he's the fourth. He's but the fourth choice uh, centre mid. So it would feel scary at this moment. I don't agree with that. I, I think it's fifth, but that's that's enough. <laughs> it would feel scary at this moment just like releasing him and not having a player close to it because again we yeah. still don't and, and at this point we come back to the reality and and, and what well, still but because for me like Ben Summer should be getting minutes be yeah. that for David Turnbull or Aaron Moy but is the Ben the idea of the Ben Summers that's who needs to be there that he's, yeah. that's that's who needs to be that place in the squad you know who's homegrown Jimmy McCarthy uh, that's but... true he <laughs> He can play. He can. Um, well, yeah. That so. So the problem for me is that I still don't know. I still don't know if, we, if I trust Celtic's recruitment process because so much of the success has been down to Ange and his contacts in Japan, yeah. and I, I would need I would need further examples of that before I could say okay, let's just drop Moy, and I would rely on us bringing in a good number eight that's going to start for us because. Uh, it's, it's, I, I think what I was essentially saying is if you want to bring in a new number eight, who do you, who, what, which spot does he take? Because he doesn't take David Turnbull's spot because David Turnbull got a spot in the squad. So does he take Aaron Moyes? Does he take Matt O'Reilly's? Does he take Iwata's? Does he take, I guess he takes Benjamin Secrets. But then, you know, it's, that's what it comes down to. My, so my, if, see, the way I would actually do it is, uh, if I was bringing in a new number eight, I would want, I would want Turnbull and Moy to go. Yeah, uh, but Moy just because he's, he's he's getting older, and you don't you, we can't be building a, a squad for the future based on something that's going to be thirty two, um, and in such a pivotal role, it's not as if he can come in and like do a Liberal Morav trick, um, because t- Turnbull being there, or did we get him for free in the Champions League? But he's blocking. He, he's blocking. Like he's not going to be happy if Ben Summers is coming in in front of him, coming off the bench before him. You know. It's... And I think there's similar discussion there with MJ and Rocco Wata. Then, yeah, you know? Forrest definitely, I would say, and Rocco Wata. Like I, them doing good, them doing favors for us in the Champions League squad by being Scottish, is also not doing favors for us in the progression of the younger players that could be coming in yeah. in minutes. No, absolutely. So that's probably a big reason why James Forrest is there as well because he's not for it. But so, but I think I mean, it's shorthand. I think we're in a situation now where if you want a foreign player in, one has to go out. Maybe not in that position, but overall, that's that's pretty much the rule you, you have to go with now. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's one thing to say we need to replace Turnbull, Ralston, Welsh. Yeah, but with whom? I mean, I, I touched on it earlier, but do you think that Celtic based their decision making on those eight, coming up to eight, and uh, not next year, but the year after, six at the moment, European ties? Because at the end of the day, and you could see it so starkly this season where everything was, was, was squished together because of the World Cup, the Champions League can be a very small part of our season. Yeah. No, I mean, there is that. Right, but to me, it it's it seems like such an obvious way to to run and organize the squad. Because I think a twenty five like person player squad is ideal. Mm. Like that, that's my ideal squad. Like, and, and we're essentially talking twenty five players 
over the age of 21, 22, right? You still have the supplement of youth players of that, but do you need more than 25 senior players? I really don't think you do. Like, uh, 25 actually seems a bit much for me. Like, it's, yeah. if, if they're all over 21, then it's a bit much. It's from 2021. So that's all. That's how you should run the club. That's, that's a lean club. And within that criteria, you again have, okay, 17 plus eight. And that gives you, okay, that means we have to have the talent identification, the player development, and the willingness to give these youth players minutes to come through. And also, somebody is, you have to be clever with your Scottish recruitment. So, but, so it, it seems illogical to me that you would have 18 foreign players. Like, you, you end up sending him out on loan. Because Celtic technically now, if you add the seven, you, you got like 23, right? Next season, you will start with 23 foreign players and he's got space for 17. And the season after that, if you let Barker, Sora and Ayeti go because they don't have any more contracts, you got 21 because the battle becomes uh, one of them again. And to me, that's just like a really inefficient, illogical way to run your club. But this gives Celtic a... gives them the parameters. 25-man squad, 17 foreign, eight, four club, uh, plus four from, from Scotland. That's how you should run the club. That's how you should run your recruitment. That's how you should run your player development, uh, your scouting. Everything should be built around that because European football is going to be it's going to be eight games from 24-25. makes it easier to get into a knockout. That's 10. Right, and then even uh, you know, if you fall down to the Europa League, for example, and if you get into the Europa League, it's the same it's eight group games. Mm. So it, it will become more and more. So to me, when those spots are so scarce, it just seems logical to do eighteen. So I think that needs to be a more of a consideration going forward for it. So uh, we'll finish on a couple of uh, listener questions. We've got some news stories we were going to look at, but we've, I can't believe we've ran over uh, without a game that. to review. I, I mean, I think it was mostly the, the Norway chat. Um, yeah, I mean, well worth it. Yeah, Claire stepped away at the wrong possible time. I mean, she, she must have known this was coming. Um, but we have uh, a couple of questions. One from Paul Gibson. He has... Uh, written in to say, count to 10 not to sit back at home. Do you expect us on Sunday and allow us space to play in behind or a stuffy uh, backs to the wall, thou shall not pass performance from them? I mean, I think I know your answer already, given the fact that you've not seen a, a back four since December. But uh, And which would, you, which would suit us better, given current injuries, do you think? Well, I guess it's, you know, you weren't here, Graham. But last Monday, you know, we, we talked about a hips game. Mm-hmm. For me, that was just very similar to how Aberdeen set up. Mm-hmm. So the two most offensive performances, like the back against the wall, you shall not pass this season, Celtic have faced. Aberdeen and hips, right? So I think with Ross County, they and a lot of other teams play this 5-3-2 slightly different. And they, they play them in slightly different ways. But, and I think Ross County is probably one of the teams that are we are a little bit lower, but they've been very, very man marking focus, and they've they have they have not been sitting as low as Hips Aberdeen because I think they know that that is not the best way to to try and get a point here. It is to be a bit more aggressive, to sit a bit further up, to have your centre backs jumping up in into the midfield line, all of that stuff, and I think 
a ground like Ross County, this is like this. This is one of the first games we really went through this season. It, like one of the teams that extreme man marking in some of that those positions for four to five minutes, I think it works really well for them. It's a tiny, tiny mistake they make uh, to make it two one to Celtic, and that's pretty much it. But I think this is a different challenge to Hibs. I think they're, they're a bit more aggressive. They're a bit more strict on the man marking and, and follow players around. And I think from a Celtic team, it it's one of those games where if they're doing the right things, they'll, they'll, there will be the space to punish Ross County. But you have to do the right things because if you don't, you can quite come unstuck against County. In a way, you didn't come unstuck against Hibs. I think against Hibs, Celtic were allowed to become so, so far up the pitch. And if you let Celtic play around your own penalty box like that, eventually they're going to find a way through. I mean, they had more shots against Hibs than any other team in any competition this season. Ross County will, I think, be a different kind of challenge. But if you, you know, so the away game at the end of last season is the away game here. You, you keep doing what you're doing. And I think you create the space uh, from that and then you execute it. So it's more for me than what's your midfield composition, you know, and, and, and those kind of things. And how does that help create that space? But it'll be a different kind of challenge. But um, yeah, a, a bit more space than against Hips and Aberdeen, those kind of things. Well, Haksibanovic got 77 minutes tonight um, from Montenegro against Serbia. They, they get beat 2-0 in the Serbia and Montenegro derby, I guess. Um, he, I thought the live score, the way they set up teams, is never to be trusted, but according to them, he played in the mid, uh, the centre mid of, of, of a 3-5-2. That's, so. that's why you should use uh, footmob. I do on my phone, just live stick for some reason. Live stick. No, no, it's not even live stick. Mm-hmm. Soccer way, I think it is. I use on my desktop. Yeah, they, they, they have him as one of the, they have him as number eight on the book map. So, yeah. there you go. There you go. Yeah, good to see. So, but no, not, not a great, great result. But I mean, this, with a player like Haksibanovic that hasn't played consistently this season, him getting good minutes in the international break is actually a good thing, surely? Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for it. Keep ticking over. I mean, usually we don't want to see our players getting getting games, but that's probably a good thing. Um, let's go to the the final the final question, which is from Kevin McGoldrick. He said uh, he's got a preamble. Uh, I'll read the preamble. Why not? Yeah. I'm not sure if this has been discussed recently. I've not been listening. Boo. Been off on paternity. Boo. Yeah. And heading back to work this week to catch up. But there's a lot of chat on what positions Ange would want to strengthen in the summer shoot. Surely the answer would be every position. For example, if the opportunity arose for us to sign a player that he thought was better than Kyogo or CCV, then he would take it. Ange appeared ruthless in, in his goal of making Celtic as successful as he can, especially in Europe. Cheers. And I mean, that's when you, one of your mantras over the years about how you don't buy squad players, you buy players to make your current first team a squad player. Uh, what, do you make, what do you make of that? First of all, congratulations to, to Kevin there. I don't know if it's your, your first Kevin, but you know, good luck. Um, you know, I, just, I think it ties in perfectly with the discussion we were having there. The, the reason why you don't buy school players is that, especially if you go into the like the foreign market, and it's still in seventeen spots. So no, for me, I mean, if if you can upgrade, you upgrade, right? And I, I think that it goes for every single position uh, that it is, and that's so. The days of buying plays, like I'm going to pick on, on them again, like Liam Scales, like Ismail Sorrow, like 
it's just never like you're getting show at that age. Nah, no way. Especially then if they're foreign players. The way to improve your squad is to buy a better first team player. Right. It's so that you know, we have the conversation there about Tony Ralston, for example. For me, the way you then get a better backup to the right back or even at centre back, for example, with doing well, go and buy somebody who's challenging for the first team. And then you raise the ceiling rather than racing the floor. I guess is that a metaphor that works? I think it is. Um so 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 there's no point going out and buying a back of right back. You go and buy a, a right back that's you know challenge for challenge. As I said with CCV in that example, it's no point going out and buying a four choice centre back Mauritians. And um, you know there, there's not you go and back up someone if you think you you think is better than CCV. And then you, you know you let the other ones fight it out. Just seems logical to me, right? I mean, the, the caveat is a, a younger player, like an O and a Kobayashi, where like, I think if there's a clear path there and they have, they'll get the minutes and they, they, they could come in and contribute straight away, but they're not, you know, they're not bought to challenge Kyogo and CCV and Starfield right away, but they're bought to do it in 18 months, you know, uh, 24 months, great. But so th- that might be a slightly more difficult hit to find those players but that's how you have to do it either they're first team ready now or they're first team ready in 18 months well Christian uh, Tusen Tak uh, I believe you say in your part of the not, world not, not bad at all Tusen Tak Yak Vivid Komen Graham yes some that day. What, what, he, what he said um, yeah I mean we should tell the listeners I won't be here next week I will be travelling uh as well, not as not as far as you, but I will. And essentially, I guess what you've you decided to do is is replace me, um, someone who waffles on about tactics, mm-hmm. about stats, who doesn't really like players other people like, and you're going to replace me with uh, Stephen Russell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a complete change there, really. I mean, the choice was either that or watch the Ross County game a second time and take screenshots. What you're saying is you'd actually have to do some work. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not here for that. You know, I, I like the way Stephen's like. Oh, it's just some general. Just do, do, you know what Stephen's going to bring to you? Yeah, like he's going to bring. But well, no, he's he's going to talk about expected threat, which is the most complicated, um, you know, model out there in terms of you know. Do you think XG is like, oh, what's that? XG. Hey, he's going to come. He's going to be effusive. But all that, he's, he's going to talk tactics. What kind of tactics is he going to talk about? He's going to talk about Alexander Burnaby. Oh, that, that's, that sounds good. You know, his left back. But no, he, he's going to put this Alexander Burnaby's, like, I'm stealing his thunder here. He, his playing method down to the, 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 the social, cultural uh, factors of Argentinian football and this new kind of hipster uh, narrative like debate now about. Positional, positioning, positioning, positional play with relativism, and is he, I mean, he's talking to John McKenzie about philosophy. And no one's going to listen now, man. That's, exactly. I, 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 I think I'm selling it, but if you think, you know, I, I'm hard work. Just, just next, wait till next week. So, on, on that, I mean, he's he's already he's already sent me a 20 minute voice note about okay. this, and I've not even listened yet. The boy hasn't been on a podcast for a year. He, he's he's got a lot to unload on you. Oh, well, that, that, that so, a year's worth. 
Well, okay. I mean, I guess I, I am Mr. Dependent. Uh, I'll be here. Uh, Christian's swanning off somewhere. Uh, big smoke, I believe. So, but I'll, I'll be here, listener. I'll be here. I've been your host, Graham McKay, and we will catch you down the road. Hold the bell.